morning. Let's go to our uh, first slide, if we could get that on there. We'd like to welcome everybody and everybody who is online. We're glad you could be with us today. Uh, no matter where you are, if you're at home, we're delighted to have you with us today. We have uh, some gathered here already for our first reopening worship service. And so I'd like everyone to know we are reopening, but very carefully, because we think it's important to protect everyone's health. And so we're taking one kind of step at a time to see how it goes. And uh, since we've been not meeting together here for seven months, I can't believe it's been that long. But we're going to try to make this work together. So what I would like for you to uh, know is we appreciate so very much your offerings that you are sending in. Some of them are coming through the mail that uh, get that. Some of them come through um, our online. We appreciate that. And your support in making it work for us, keeping our church going. We were really concerned we were going to be in deep trouble. But thank you for your faithfulness and keeping it going and paying your tithe and returning your tithe to the Lord. It's a wonderful thing. If you're here in the church, you can use the tithe envelopes and the offering envelopes. And outside, since we're not going to collect the offering... Uh, by passing the plates, you can use the offering box that's out there in the wall, on the wall in the narthex. Some of you may call that the lobby or the foyer, but it's the proper term. Well, who cares? The narthex. So if you would like to do that, we appreciate that. And if you have any questions um, for us, you could always contact us online and ask us about that. But we're delighted that you could be with us this morning. So we're going to just have a very abbreviated service together. At the end of the service, if you would like, you may stay and have prayer like we did last week. We had a wonderful session last week where we prayed together uh, individually. And there was a time for two hours it went and we had some music playing, live music. It was beautiful and a wonderful experience. If you would like to stay for that and just quietly have prayer for a while, we're going to make that available. If you need to go, and though I understand some of you need to go, you can just gently just slip out, and that would be fine. So don't feel embarrassed one way or the other, okay? So that'll be good. All right, to begin, let's start, of course, with prayer together. If you wouldn't mind, we're just going to share together. Bow your heads. Dear Father, I thank you that we can gather in your name. In this place, I thank you that you're the all-powerful God and that you know everything from the end, from the beginning. I thank you that through the power of, uh, of technology and the internet and that we can make contact way beyond our doors. It's the new normal, Lord, and we are learning to adopt, and we thank you for you helping and leading in that. Father, I ask that as we worship together, all of us, no matter where we are, that we will be blessed by your spirit. We also pray for those that are ill, and some of them are very sick. Some have COVID, and Lord, we ask that you heal them. Help the physicians and the nurses and all around the world who are battling this and who are risking their lives. We ask that you protect them and be with them. I thank you, Lord, that we could gather again, but we ask for forgiveness of our sins, that we can be cleansed before you and made right. So empower us by your grace and by your spirit, and as we minister our community as best we can, in Jesus' name, amen. We will be uh, up having our uh, food distribution going in beginning uh, uh, this coming Friday, 
And if you're involved with that, please uh, be involved. If you'd like to be involved, it's a great thing to do. So I'm delighted to, uh, that we have that ministry going. And I think we fed like 400 people last, last time. Amazing together. All right, I wanted to talk this morning about the topic uh, and picking up and following through on the theme that we've been doing. We've been following the story of Paul in the book of Acts. So if you have your Bible, please turn to Acts. If not, there should be one. Oh, I picked them all up. So I didn't do I picked them all up because we don't want to. Oh, you know why. So, so we've been following the story in the book of Acts. And if you're at home, grab your Bible and you'll, you'll have a chance to uh, find it. Genesis uh, marks the beginning of the Old Testament, but, but Matthew marks the beginning of the New Testament. So you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then the book of Acts, which follows immediately the Acts of the Apostles, the Acts of the early church, following that with Jesus. So if you have your Bible, we'll turn to chapter, I'm just going to do a brief summary of chapter 22, which you can read on your own, through chapter 25. So you can read that all on your own, catch up. I'm going to give you the Reader's Digest special on that, so that, you know, you remember the Reader's Digest? They would have books all condensed in about 20 pages or something like that. I don't know how they did that, but it seemed to get the story out. So um, here's the Reader's Digest condensed version. Even the book in Acts, what Luke is telling about the journey, he takes up a quarter of his book, of the book of Acts, to tell us about Paul's journey ending up in Rome. It's amazing he spends that amount of time. There must be a reason why he would take that time. And he was traveling with Paul at this time. So here he goes, and one of the things, and there's the Reader's Digest section. Here's what happens that he was talking to the, Paul addresses the Sanhedrin. And you'll read about his decision, and he tells his story, and he makes an appeal. It talks to him about that he believed in the resurrection of the dead. And, of course, the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. They didn't believe in that. Uh, they didn't believe in angels. But the Pharisees did, so he describes them. I'm a Pharisee, and I believe in the resurrection of the dead. So he made that. Well, as a result, they got all upset about that, and there was a plot. Whoops, excuse me, go back one if you would be so kind. I hit it by accident. Uh, if you go back one more, thank you. There was a plot to kill him. And it just happened that a relative of Paul's heard about this, the son, and he told the uh, centurion and the guard, and they whisked Paul away in the middle of the night to protect him from this mob that was going to lay in wait for them, and they'd all pledged, all these Jews had pledged, we're going to kill him. Not going to eat until we kill him. Well, they got him away, and they took him to Caesarea, which, um, and John, you remember, we went to Caesarea on our trip. And so they transferred him there, which was more of a Roman judgment area, another one of the provinces, and yet the officials who were sitting as kings and governors were Jewish. They had been appointed by the Romans. So he was transferred to Caesarea. Well, he ends up there in a trial before a guy by the name of Felix. And Felix listens to him and talks back. You can read all about this story. And Paul tells his story to it. And then Felix sits around on his hands for a while. And eventually he sends him to Festus. And so he Paul goes to this trial before Festus. So this is going from one leader, one official, to another official. 
And so this drags on. So he has to tell the story all over. And, and months go by. In fact, two years go by during this while he's sitting in jail in Caesarea. And this goes, drags on and on and on and on. And finally, Paul, uh, uh, here at Festus, says, well, I'm going to take and share him with King Agrippa, who is also a Jew. And so I'm going to share him with that. So theirs got passed on to King Agrippa. And so the story goes on and on and on and on and on. Government work. You heard of that? Government work, you know. I don't, I, if you work for the government, please, I, please don't. You know. um, while we were on our trip uh, to the Middle East, uh, we had some people who came from Reno, Nevada to, to be with us from my former church. And uh, on that trip was James and Jean Spoo. And the Spoos um, are from Sparks, which is a suburb, kind of a bedroom community for Reno. Can't imagine they have it, but they all run together. But they are, and at one time, James was the mayor of the town of Sparks, and now he's a sitting judge. Well, while we were on our trip, I was talking to him about um, how I was sharing that I was adopted, and remember that story, and my sister was there, uh, my birth sister. And in passing, we talked about that I was wishing to get my original birth certificate. So what happens if you're not familiar? When a person is adopted at birth, like I was, there's an original one, which the doctor signs, puts his name on it, and then that one is filed and sealed. And they, when you're adopted, they give you a new one with your adoptive parents and with your name, your new name on it, and the doctor's signature is usually typed in. Mine happened to be signed. I don't know why. But that, that's usually what happens. So they keep me from getting my original birth certificate. And when I ask for birth, they send me the amended one. Well, for those of us who have found and have found this particular uh, deal, we like to have our original birth certificate. That's kind of like I know the bottom line here. See, So I mentioned that to him. He says, well, I can help you. And I said, really? And he says, yes, I, I think I can help you get your uh, original birth certificate. So after we came back from the trip, and he, we've been working for a year on this now, after we came back, he uh, started getting me going, and he took time, and he told me how to do this, and he filled out this tremendous letter and form that I sent to the judge, and the judge sat on it for several months, and finally, after several phone calls, Finally, he said, he signed it and said, yes, you can have your original birth certificate. Great. So then we got back, we filled out all the forms we needed, and we sent it into Sacramento to Vital Records, which was the big black hole. So he's been calling them back and forth for six months being told, oh, yes, we'll take care of that. Yeah, there's no problem. Don't worry. He, uh, we'll send that right out to him. So after several phone calls, after two months, they sent me an amended birth certificate that I already had. No, 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 no. Well, we can't go any farther until you send back your original birth certificate. So, I mean, I send back my amended. So I had to package that all back up and send it back to Vital Records 
because they couldn't go any farther. So then this went around and call and call and call and call and call and call. And finally, finally yesterday, Jim, a sitting judge, and I don't know how threatening it's got, but he's, he finally got to the top of the vital records department, and she said, oh, it got lost. She actually called him back, which they were always promised to call back and never do. So she actually called him back and said, I finally found it. It was in the wrong department, the uh, application. I will make sure he gets it by this coming Thursday. What do you think? What's your guess? What do we call that? We call that passing the buck. You know, to someone else. You remember Harry Truman? I remember when I had a chance to vote for Harry Truman uh, for president. He had on his desk, he had on his desk the concept, the idea that the buck stops here. And what does that mean? That means, well, when a decision needs to be made, I can make it. It'll come to me. So remember that throughout this experience of Paul from being passed on to Felix, then to Festus. And now the back stops at Agrippa. Now it's his turn to go. It doesn't end there, by the way. We'll deal with that next week. But he's now before Agrippa. Okay, so you have your Bible. Acts chapter 25. We're going to look at Acts chapter 25. I'm just going to give us a little bit here for you as we go into this. And I think you'll find this rather fascinating. So Acts 25, here he is. He's in jail in Caesarea, and now we have uh, Festus and Agrippa in the same, same bailiwick there. Verse 22, if you'll go down to verse 22. Then Agrippa, King Agrippa, said to Festus, I would like to hear this man myself. He replied, tomorrow you will hear him, replied Festus. You'll hear him tomorrow. What happened is Festus threw out this big thing. He got all the pomp and circumstances. He got everything, all of them in their robes and everything, and they were going to have this court hearing. And here they drag in, here they drag in Paul in chains from the jail to be intimidated by all these robes and everything and all these royal people and these officials, you know, all this. Was Paul intimidated? No. No, even though he is in chains. Okay, now skip down. We're going to go down to chapter 26, and now we're going to focus a little bit. Chapter 26, verse 1, Then Agrippa said to Paul, You have permission to speak for yourself. So Paul motioned with his hand and began his defense. I can see that. Now you remember the chains are on him. King Agrippa, I consider myself fortunate to stand before you today as I make my defense against all the accusations of the Jews. Now, they were accusing him of rebel rousing, of going up against the faith, of, of uh, speaking against the temple. Um, why, would he, why would that be? Well, because the curtain had been ripped. Remember when Jesus died? The curtain had been ripped. Jesus had fulfilled. all this. So they were all upset. You're changing all the traditions and etc etc and besides we think you dragged this gentile into the temple and oh that was a terrible thing for you to do he didn't but they were accusing him going on 
and especially so because you were well acquainted with all the Jewish customs, he said, and controversies. Yes, everybody knew them. Therefore, I beg you, listen to me patiently. So now Paul is standing before Agrippa and his wife, the queen, with Bernice, and Festus is there. So all, all of us in all their court is sitting there and all the things that are going on. And he begins to tell his story. You can read it there. We won't take time this morning. But you can read about his, as he begins to tell his story. Now, if you've been following along, Paul has repeated his story several times. We find him talking about his story of how he was converted and what he did and where he went and why. He repeats that, and for some reason, Luke wants to let us know that that story was repeated and told over and over again in front of these officials. It's to our benefit that was shared with us. And so he repeats that. Paul shares his story again. That's why we know so much about what happened on the Damascus Road. So he's telling the story. He's going all through this. He's coming up, and now he's saying, down to verse 8, why should any of us consider it incredible that God raises the dead? What is he referring to? He's referring to Jesus rising from the dead. Why should we consider God's a power to raise anybody from the dead? Why wouldn't we consider that God has that power? So he begins to share his experience. He begins to share that story of that encounter that he had with Jesus. Do you remember that story? Those of you who are not familiar, just a brief, brief review. So what happened was, Paul was on his way, and this, that time his name was Saul. He was on his way over out of Caesarea Philippi. He made his way from those caves. He made that cave. He went down the backside over that hill on the road to Damascus. And on that road, as he was making his way, and he was going to persecute the church, the believers, the people he called the way, he was going to bring them back to Jerusalem or someplace and try them and imprison them. And on the way, as he's making his journey on the way, this bright light falls from heaven and blinds him to the ground. And everybody else, all the soldiers and everything that were with him, were all laying on the ground from this terribly intense bright light. And he hears the voice of Jesus speak to him. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? The Lord asked. And Paul looked up, and he, the Lord let him see him sitting on the throne in heaven. How that happened, I don't know. But God revealed himself so much that now Paul is having his face-to-face -face experience with the living God. And as that is happening, as this, he's speaking to him, Paul realizes that the God, who he had been out working against, Paul knew this story about Jesus being crucified. This was nothing. This, he knew all about that. He had witnessed that. So he lived in Jerusalem. So this encounter, he recognized Jesus sitting on the throne, the very one that he had seen crucified. And so before Agrippa, he begins to tell the story of Jesus. The greatest story ever told. He begins to tell him that story. Down to verse 19. 
So, so then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven on that Damascus road. For in those, in, for to, uh, excuse me, first to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and then to the Gentiles. That was his experience, as you recall. I preached that they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds or their actions. This, that is why some Jews seized me in the temple courts and tried to kill me, he said. At this point, at that point in the argument, the Bible says that Festus got all upset. He interrupted Paul's defense. You are out of your mind, Paul, he shouts and yells at him. Your great learning is driving you insane. Now, Paul had been taught at the feet of Gamal, Gamelia, excuse me, and he had been taught by him. The greatest thought teacher, the greatest um, teacher rabbi in Israel, and he was a student of his. So there's all this great learning, all the stuff you know, it's driving you insane. Paul responds, I am not insane. Most excellent Festus, he replied, what I am saying is true and reasonable. The king, speaking of Agrippa, is familiar with these things. And I can speak freely to him, and I'm convinced that none of this has escaped his notice because it is not done in a corner, not hidden. It's been all out front. And that was just like Jesus. When Jesus preached, he preached out in public, didn't he? He preached where people could hear him. He wasn't doing anything in secret. Paul the same way, all out in front. Verse 27. Are you following along this at home? Verse 27. King Agrippa, Paul asked, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. The point of that asking was, do you believe, do you believe the truth of the scriptures? Now we find, we find in Paul sharing this, we find a couple things. We find that Paul was saying, here's my experience of my encounter on the road, my face-to-face -face encounter with the Lord. That's my experience, but I also... Also, there's more to it. Also, there's the truth that comes from Scripture, from the prophets. Do you believe in the truth that's coming from the Scriptures? And he tags that and says, I know you do because you are a believer, but not a believer in Christ. Verse 28, and then Agrippa said to Paul, do you think that in a short time, you can persuade me to be a Christian. Well, if you read it in the King James, it says, And then Agrippa said to him, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Almost. Almost. Here's this man in chains, standing before all these people in their robes and everything, in this courtroom, on trial for his life. In fact, Festus... <laughs> Festus was hoping that he could bribe 
Paul to let him go so he can get money out of him, and Paul would not do go. He, he kept coming in and out. It's kind of a funny thing in the story. So, so this trial's going on and on and on. And now, Agrippa, almost, you've almost persuaded me. As a uh, pastor, I know about people who are almost, almost there. I had a friend that, he said, if I'm going to be anything, I'm going to be a Christian with you, Bill. I'm going to be a seventh I'm going to be anything. Well, come, be with it. Never did. Never became a Christian. Although he believed in things, believed in God, believed in things, never took that step to put his assurance and rest of salvation in Christ Jesus alone. Never took that step. Broke my heart. I'm taking this from Acts of the Apostles. Notice, deeply affected. Agrippa, for the moment, lost sight of his surroundings and the dignity of his position, sitting there with everybody, conscious only of the truths which he had heard, seeing only the humble prisoner standing before him as God's ambassador, he answered involuntarily, almost, thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Almost there almost persuaded i've heard sermons on that have you messages before i've heard sermons on this very thing almost persuaded to do that almost convinced to take that and it's very sad when that does not happen people get almost there and don't take that step to put their trust in christ so here here was this group listing here they were, all gathered around, with Paul standing there in front of them, the greatest Christian missionary that ever lived, standing right there in front of them, being the most persuasive, making the argument as strong as he possibly can, and almost, almost. I find it interesting, the coupling of Paul using his experience and the teaching of scripture combined. We find that same exact thing happening when um, the great, uh, boy, just me, Acts 7. This happens to me at times. Acts chapter 7, the great deacon, come on. Stephen, thank you very much. I'm sure the Lord impressed me with that. Stephen, thank you. Sorry, Stephen. It just popped. So I thought of that earlier. I just, not that I wasn't prepared. I just missed. So Stephen, Stephen shared the great story of the prophets all the way down from, from Abraham on, in front of them. But when he got to Jesus, they got angry and stoned him. Right? Telling them the truth. Verse 32, so Agrippa said to Festus, this man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. If he had not appealed to Caesar. Going on with Acts, the apostles, it says, Festus, Agrippa, and Bernice might in justice have worn the fetters that bound the apostle. All were guilty of grievous crimes, 
These offenders had that day heard the offer of salvation through the name of Christ. One, at least, had almost been persuaded to accept grace and pardon offered. But Agrippa put aside the pre-offered mercy, refusing to accept the cross of the crucified Redeemer. There we go. Accepting Christ's offer of forgiveness and salvation. And that rests at the crux of it, doesn't it? That rests at the crux. If you have accepted Christ and know the beauty of his grace and salvation to you, then we too are to share our experiences with Scripture so that others may have that choice to decide whether they wish to follow Christ or not. We need to be careful in doing that. We don't want to shove anything down anybody's throats. We want to invite them. And so Paul was using that experience. He didn't try to force anything, but he invited them to accept. It also teaches me that people sometimes say, no, not going to do that. And I have to accept that. That's the way it is. But also, if you are in the experience and you have not taken that step, I invite you, I invite you to let the experience of others, let the experience of Christ, let the experience and the truth of Scripture to have a beautiful appeal to your heart that you may know what it's like to follow and accept Christ and to follow in his journey. It's a beautiful, wonderful that can happen. It's a part of coming to Jesus and having that experience. We're going to have a baptism coming up shortly. If you need to be baptized, and I want to make that step, I want to be baptized, please talk to me. I'd be happy to work that out with you. We have some people that are getting ready. We had a baptism while we were gone. Did you notice that? Did you pick up on that? It was wonderful. And so we're having another one coming up soon. Let us follow as the Lord would lead. If you are at home, join us in prayer together as we pray. Dear Lord, I thank you. I thank you for this powerful witness of Paul. Before Felix, before Festus, before Agrippa. And now as he makes his journey to Rome. I thank you, Lord, for his faithfulness and for what he teaches us. And I thank you for Luke. But Lord, may we not just read, listen, may we take action. May, may we make that step. May we go forward to understand the great grace and teaching that you have to give to us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thank you for attending. We're glad you're here. Some of you are at home. We thank you for being with us today, and welcome. Uh, we are now going live. So if you're in the area, please come and join us. There is seating available. We're all spaced out. <laughs> Not that way. But we're spaced out in seating. And so we're glad to have you come and be part. I'm not wearing a mask at a moment, but I have a mask ready to go. When we gather, we have places to keep you safe. And we're glad you could be. What we're going to do now is we're going to end our live stream here in just a moment. 
uh, and what we're going to allow to have time if the congregation and people gathered wish to just be silent here in prayer, they certainly may. So uh, we wish you Godspeed and God's blessing, and we'll see you next week as we talk the next step in Paul's great journey as he makes his way to Rome.